Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, it's so great to be back with you, and I appreciate all the prayers over the last several weeks, but keep praying. Uh, my doctors tell me it's going to take a couple of months for everything to completely get back, but I'm not contagious, so uh, I'm thankful for that. I'm glad that Mary doesn't have to sleep in a different part of the house. And uh, so we're, I'm telling you, well, Mary and I have just kind of been a, a piece of work the last couple of months. <laughs> it's like, well, let's see what more drama we can come up with. But uh, anyway, in getting ready for Christmas, I wanted to set a foundation of some things that I think rob people, rob us from truly experiencing what Christmas is all about. <clears throat> so we're kind of backing up, uh, moving forward to, in order to move forward in dealing and getting ready for Christmas. And, and one of the things that robs people, I think, from the joy of Christmas are just their hurts. And in fact, a lot of times, something that should be a very joyful time, especially family time, actually magnifies hurts that we try to suppress. And, and so I, I think that the Bible gives us some clarity on how to deal with our hurts. And the re reality is we live in an imperfect world, which means you are going to get hurt. It's going to happen. You're going to get hurt by accidents. Just ask Mary. Uh, she'll tell you all about it. And uh, you, you're going to get hurt by illnesses. That's what I just went through. But the deepest hurts, I mean, she and I are going to get over our hurts. The deepest hurts, though, are the ones that come from people, right? We don't get over those so easily. Now, there's a passage we're going to use as the foundation. I'm going to go ahead and share it with you and then do some preliminary things. And then we'll come back and unpackage what this verse says. And it's a very familiar verse, but parts of it are, I think, sometimes we miss the depth of what it's really saying. In Psalms 23, verse 5, it says, You prepare, this is David talking to God the Father, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Now, relationships, let's admit it, is the greatest source of stress in our lives. Uh, they're also the greatest blessing in our lives. They're the greatest joys in our lives. But people do hurt us. And sometimes it's very intentional. It's on purpose. It's with intent. Other times it's unintentional. I, I guarantee you there are people that have hurt you that don't have a clue that they hurt you. And you carry that hurt and you think about it. And they don't give it a second thought because they're just totally clueless that they even did it. And, and sometimes people are hurt totally by accident, totally by accident. Now, the problem is, 
is our response to those hurts. And usually we respond in an incorrect manner and we make it worse. So before we can look at God's antidote about hurts, I, I want to talk about five things not to do when, you, when people hurt you. So these five things will mess you up if you, if you uh, don't follow them. So what not to do when people hurt you? Don't ignore it. You see, suffering in silence or biting the bullet or pretending it doesn't exist and hoping it will go away, well, there are several ways that we tend to do this. One is flat-out denial. Uh, oh, I don't have a problem. I'm not hurting. I'm, you know, I'm going to take the high road. Uh, minimizing it. It was no big deal. It didn't hurt me that bad. Or we even procrastinate. We postpone dealing with it. And, in fact, ignoring hurt never, ever heals it. It may hide it for a while, but it does not heal it. And the, um, the hurt that you're ignoring right now is not going to get any better. You know, people, I've heard the phrase, and somebody mentioned this earlier, uh, time heals all wounds. That's a bunch of junk. It does not. Sometimes time actually makes the wounds more difficult. They hurt us even more. In Psalm 39, the psalmist said, But as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew worse. The more I thought about it, the hotter I got, igniting a fire of words. I can relate to that. You think about it, you think about it. You get madder, you get madder, you get hotter. And then all of a sudden there's an explosion. They just, you know, you, you suppress, you suppress, you withhold, you put it in the back somewhere. And then all of a sudden that closet is bursting and it explodes open. It's kind of like that uh, drawer you have in your house or that closet you have in your house. You're always nervous about opening it up because you're not sure what's going to come tumbling out. Well, that's what a lot of people do with their hurts. Um, and, and so procrastination takes minor problems and actually makes them major problems. It's kind of like a small cut that's been ignored that becomes a major infection. So don't ignore it. Secondly, don't run from it. Don't run from it. We want to escape, we want to retreat, we want to run from our problems, we don't face it. Well, David, King David tried to do the same thing. <clears throat> In Psalms 55, he said, oh, that I had wings like a dove, then I would fly away and rest. How quickly I would escape far from this wild storm of hatred. Well, that's just, that's just human nature. When we face difficulty, we, uh, human nature is to run from it. And it's not by accident, you know, it's not by accident that in public buildings, the doors always open outwardly. 
I mean, could you imagine in this room and it was a panic, a fire broke out or something and everybody tried to escape out the doors, but they opened inward and pretty soon everybody's bunched up on the doors and nobody can get it open. Well, it's designed on purpose to open outward so that you don't get to a door and can't get out because you're, you're, you're forced there by a bunch of people. So it's designed on purpose. So you need to, you need to. Well, there are lots of different ways we try to escape. Uh, we try to escape by movies, televisions, alcohol, sometimes drugs. The problem is that you will still have the same pain when the movie's over and the TV show's done and the drugs and the alcohol wears off. It's still there. Number three, don't hide your hurt. It's easy to keep it to yourself. You don't tell anybody. You wear a mask. And some of you, you're very quite good. You're very good at camouflaging your pain. Uh, you hate to admit. It's almost like we think we're weak if we admit that somebody had the power to wound us. And so we camouflage our pain. All, I'm going to tell you, when you hurt, all the possessions in the world's not going to soothe your hurt. I know a lot of times when people, they have different things, the ways they react. Uh, you know, when, they, when they're really hurt and they feel bad, they want to go shopping, thinking that something new, bright and shiny will um, make them feel better. My guess is your storage room is full of unopened packaged Items that you bought hoping it would make you feel better, but it never did. In Psalms 32, the psalmist said, When I refused to confess my sin, to deal with my issue, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. You know, at Gateway, we really work hard to create a safe place for people to be real. We want that to happen. We want you to be able to find that safe place and, and feel safe. And if, it, if, if you don't feel safe, then we have failed you. And we apologize when we have failed you. We, we want to make this a safe place. In fact, James 5.16 puts it this way. It says, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. So it tells you part of God's healing process. Now, only God can forgive me of ultimate sin. But there's power, it says in Scripture, that when I share with others, confess to others, the things that I'm struggling with, the things I've done or the things that are a burden on me or a problem for me, that there's actually healing that takes place in that process. Number one, I got somebody that's praying for me. I've got, and I want to tell you, this is not to mean that you just go to strangers and you start telling them everything you've ever done. I'm talking about you doing it, you doing it with a safe person a safe friend, a safe group. And we hope that that's your life group because we hope that you won't find judgment there, but rather you'll find healing. Number four, 
Don't worry about your hurt. You see, worry is an attempt to control the uncontrollable. Uh, you're trying to control something that you cannot control by worrying about it. I've got a very dear family member who just worry is her favorite word to use, or him. Um, and, uh, and, and they'll say that a lot. Well, I've just really been worrying about it. And I usually respond back and say, well, how's that working out for you? Well, I know what you're going to say. I said, all right, what am I going to say? Um, the Bible says not to worry. I said, well, it still says that. I said, so I want, I want to know how's it working out for you. Well, it's not very well. I said, okay, well, maybe we start trying to do what the Bible says to do. Stop worrying and start praying. And every time you even use the word, I'm just so worried, you're actually expressing a disbelief in God's antidote. God says the antidote is you don't worry and you pray. So when I say, well, I'm worried, well, I'm saying, okay, I don't believe God. I don't think prayer is going to do anything. At least that's what I say with my actions. Don't worry about your hurt. The fact is you can't control it anyway. Uh, in Job chapter 5, it says, Surely resentment destroys the fool and jealously kills the simple. Wow, that's pretty strong. Worry never solves the problems. It never heals the hurt. All worry does is increase the size of your pain. Here's what happens. When I worry, then my field of vision narrows down on what I worry about. And when I do that, it makes that bigger. All-consuming. Cons all because it's all that I'm focusing on. And when I focus on one thing, it's bigger. Because it's all that's in my field of vision. But when I back away from it and choose to stop worrying about this then I can back away and I can see where God's doing so many things in other ways. The more you worry about a hurt, the bigger the hurt gets. Number five, don't resent your hurt. That sounds a little weird. Well, let's, let's unpackage that. Resentment never helps, and yet we do this when people hurt us. We become bitter we become angry. We become cynical. I can't trust this one person, therefore I'm not going to trust all of these people. Well, that hurts you. In Job, it says, you may tear out your hair in anger, but will that destroy the earth? Will that make the rocks tremble? And the answer is no. All it does is help you to lose your hair. That's what worry does. That's what hurt does. Bitterness hurts you far more than any hurt that you will ever receive. Did you get that? Your bitterness about your hurt actually hurts you more than the hurt itself? Let that sink in. My bitterness that I manufacture about my hurt actually does more damage to me than the hurt itself because bitterness here's how that happens hurt is an isolated thing in my life bitterness 
consumes everything in my life. When I cross over that threshold to bitterness, then you're, it affects every part of your thinking. It affects every, the way, everything you look at. And so it consumes you. It affects you and it hurts you more than the hurt itself. Bitterness allows the past to control your present. Bitterness allows people who hurt you in the past to continue to hurt you today. In fact, bitterness loses all concept of time. Man, somebody really hurt me. And I'm telling you what, I just can't get over it. And it just wounded me. I said, really? How, when did that happen? It was, it, was, it was 20 years ago. Really? Your bitterness has lost track of time. And you've wasted 20 years of your emotional energy over something that that person might not even be aware that they did to you. Now, let's face it. Every one of you, you've, tell me, have you ever gone to Walmart or the grocery store and you turn to walk down an aisle and you see somebody and you immediately turn and go down another aisle? Have you ever done that? I have. It's kind of like, nope, not today. Not going to deal with it. Don't want to talk to them. Don't want to see them. Don't even acknowledge them. I'm going to go down the other aisle. And only to find out they turn down the other aisle to avoid you. <laughs> huh. Now, if none of these approaches will heal, heal my hurt, what do I do? So in the verse today, this scene that is being painted in Psalms 23 is going from the field, the pastoral field the, the, where the sheep are, to a feast. And David uses this image of a banquet, and he gives us three illustrations in this one verse, or three symbols, I should say, that illustrates the steps that we take in order to let God heal your hurt. So there are the five things I don't do. Now let's look at what I should do. Psalms 23 again. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. So let's look at these symbols. God, this is what God says to do when you hurt. Here's what he says to do. Number one. Let Jesus settle the score. Let Jesus take care of it. You don't try to get even. You don't seek revenge. You don't retaliate. It never, ever works. You've got to trust God to even the odds. I mean, God says, I'll settle the score. But remember this. He's going to settle the score with you as well. People that you've hurt. Now, I'm not saying that God's just waiting to set you up, to strike you down, to blast you out of the water. I'm not suggesting that. But God will deal with things in our lives at some point. You determine 
at the level with which he has to deal with it. And confession is the quickest way to get it dealt with. David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Well, sheep have a lot of natural enemies, wolves, coyotes, bears, snakes even, and ticks, and even flies. You wouldn't think that. You see, sheep are absolutely defenseless animals. They, they don't have sharp teeth that they can bite you. Uh, they cannot defend themselves against anything. Um, they don't have claws that they can scratch you. They, they really can't kick. They can't run very fast. They're defenseless. And, and so they, they cannot be safe unless somebody protects them. Uh, I was interesting in the news about this sheepdog. Did you hear about it in Georgia? And a, a bunch of coyotes went after this guy's sheep. And that young sheepdog went after, I mean, killed eight coyotes. And, uh, I mean, he got hurt really bad. The, the owner didn't find, the, find him for two days. But, wow, you know, that dog was there to protect. And those sheep would have been absolutely defenseless had it not been for that dog. And, and so God says, here's what the shepherd does. He finds a good piece of land filled with grass for them to eat. He drives out the enemies, and then he brings the sheep there to give them a safe place to eat. And God, so that's what God is saying. He says, you let me handle this. Let me do it my way. And this is why in Romans 12, in two verses, listen to what it says. This is, this is a commandment. It says, never pay back evil with more evil. No exceptions. No exceptions. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Dear friends, never take revenge. Never. No exceptions. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. So I'm never to pay back evil. I'm never to take revenge. I am to live in an honorable way. So God knows the hurt that you have had. He saw it and he cares about it. And he can take care of it. I mean, there will be a day of reckoning. You cannot recover from your hurt as long as you keep dwelling in your mind acts of revenge, of getting even. You've got to decide that you're going to take God at his word when he says, I am your defense. Revenge doesn't work. It backfires. It keeps the hurt alive. Forgiveness, now listen to this, forgiveness does not mean that you say, oh, it's okay, you hurt me. That's not what forgiveness means. Forgiveness is not saying what you did was not that big of a deal. Forgiveness is not saying it didn't hurt. Forgiveness is not denying that evil was done to you. 
Forgiveness means giving my hurt to God and letting him handle it. So just trust that God will handle the situation. Trust him. He always keeps his word. So let him, here's where it comes into the verse. Let God prepare a table for you, a feast table, a banquet table for you in front of your enemies. Let God do that. Wow. You talk about taking the high ground, taking the high road. Just trust God to handle your situation and let him prepare that table in the presence of your enemies. So why should I forgive? Well, one, I've been forgiven by God. Right? I get to go to heaven because I've been forgiven by God. Two, the reason I should forgive is resentment makes me miserable. And I don't want to be miserable. And three, guess what? I'm going to need more forgiveness in the future for myself. So I need to dispense it so that I can receive it. In fact, the Bible says, forgive so that you can be forgiven. And I know I'm going to need more forgiveness. I know it. So I don't want to have anything in my life that would hinder me from receiving that forgiveness. Matthew 5, 7. God blesses those who are merciful. For they will, sh will be shown mercy. You give mercy... God's going to show you mercy. The second thing, let Jesus soothe your wounds. You anoint my head with oil. See, here's what the shepherds would do. They would put oil on the heads of the sheep for two reasons. One to soothe and one to heal. You know, a major enemy of a sheep is a fly. They hate flies and they can't do anything about it. They can't shake off the flies. They don't have hooves uh, to reach them, and their tail won't reach them. You know, have you ever seen a cow's tail always swishing around? That's the way he keeps flies away. But sometimes, in summertime, that means fly time for sheep. And the flies, this is gross, they, they'll get up in the nose of the sheep, and they'll lay larvae. And I want to tell you, that drives the sheep crazy. Sometimes in the summertime, they say that you can actually see sheep banging their head up against a rock or a tree because they're trying to get the flies out because it's driving them crazy. Uh, that's what resentment does to you sometimes. You, you want to, uh, it's affecting your mind. Resentment hanging on to it, it is affecting your mind. And, and it's like emotionally you're banging your head up against a rock trying to soothe that hurt and that pain's there. And it never, ever works. So here's what the shepherd does. He, he takes olive oil, he mixes it with sulfur, and he anoints, he, he, he anoints the head of the sheep, and it's like an insect repellent. And so this represents the shepherd saying, I'll take care of the irritations. 
If you let Jesus be your good shepherd, he will take care of the irritations in your life. He will do it. And now another way that the shepherd would use oil was as an ointment. When the sheep had an open wound, he would take the oil and then he would put it on the open wound. And it did a couple of things. It would soothe it, it would protect it, and it would allow it to heal. So when David says, you anoint my head with oil, he is saying, God is going to soothe my wounds. And the oil, that's really representing the Holy Spirit. Your mind has been wounded by hurts. This is where you rehearse those wounds and relive those wounds over and over again. A trusted friend who turned against you. I met with a pastor recently, and he's just been through it. I mean, he, he's ready to walk away from ministry. And we were talking, and he said, I, some of my closest friends have turned on me, and it just blindsided me. I mean, people, I, I have this one friend that's been with me from the very beginning. We met every day. And then one day he just came in and threw up all over me. As if I'd been this horrible person for years. He said, man, it's just eating me alive. So in his mind, he's rehearsing those words over and over and over again. And the good shepherd wants to bring the healing oil of the Holy Spirit and put it on his head and let it soothe into his mind and let the Holy Spirit rewire his thinking and heal him of those hurts and those pains. And that's exactly what he wants to do for you. The Holy Spirit, Jesus wants to bring him and he wants to anoint your head where your brain is, your mind is, and he wants to soothe that. He wants to heal you from your hurts and your pains. When friends have turned against you, when people have cheated you and robbed you of something that's rightfully yours, and he wants to take that hurt and that pain, and his Holy Spirit wants to rewire your thinking. He wants to heal you from that, and he wants to get you above that event. Not ignore it, not to pretend like it's not there, but he wants to heal you from it. Jesus wants to heal the hurts in your life. Psalms 147, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Jesus doesn't come along and say, oh, you'll get over it. No, he said, I, I'm going to heal your brokenness. Your heart's breaking and I'm going to heal it. And I'm going to bandage your wounds. And you're going to be set free from this hurt. He says, not only will I settle the score, but, I'll, but if you'll come to me and let me, be, let me have your hurts, I'll do the repair, I'll do the restoring, 
I'll soothe those hurts. I'll bandage them up. And then you're going to have real healing. So once you have forgiven a person who's hurt you, does that mean that all the pain has gone away? <laughs> nope. Even after you've forgiven them, you still hurt. You see, forgiveness is in an instant, but restoration takes time. It takes time. Some of you have really deep wounds, divorce, rejection by parents. Some of you have been molested as a kid or even as an adult. Some of you have been taken advantage of in businesses. Some people have stolen from you. Those things don't heal quickly. A deep wound requires more attention. You see, a lot of times Christians think that once they have forgiven a hurt, it immediately is well. That's just not true. It takes time. So how does God heal my hurts? How does Jesus do it? What kind of bandages does he use to heal my emotional wounds? One, he uses fellowship. He wants you to be around other people who make you laugh, who help you to see different sides of life. They want you to be around people that fill up your emotional tank. You see, a lot of times with your hurts, your emotional tank is bone dry. You need fellowship with people that fill up your emotional tank. Secondly, God uses prayer. When you're hurt, you need to talk about it. And, and God wants you to talk to him about it. He wants you to be honest with him because then he can deal with your honesty. God uses worship. He, he uses certain songs. I, I know a lot of people who, when they can't sleep well, they'll just start listening to worship songs. And, um, I, uh, and, I, and pretty soon they fall asleep. And I had a church member tell me recently, he said, hey, I was overseas and I just could, on they, you know, he flies and he was overseas and he couldn't, he, he could not go to sleep. He said, so I popped on one of your sermons and I went right to sleep. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm glad that worked for you. <laughs> so God uses worship. God uses ministry. You get involved in ministry and you'll be amazed at how he heals your hurt through ministry because I want to tell you, it expands your viewpoint. You're focused, you're zeroed in on your hurt, but when you get involved in ministry, you get involved in fellowship, he begins to expand your view. You, you begin to use worship, he begins to expand your view. You use prayer, he expands your view. You get into ministry, he really opens up your view. You begin to see the hurts and pains in other people. And I want to tell you, one of the best ways to find healing in your own life is when you become a healer in someone else's life. You'll really find healing there. Those of you who are hurting from a major hurt right now, you, you need to understand two things. First, a big hurt requires a be still stage. You just got to be still. And then secondly, there's the get moving stage. And there are people that are trained to help you to do that. 
When Mary had her, you know, her wrestling match with an armadillo and she lost, she was hurting bad. And um, I was here. She was up at the lake house. The ambulance came and took her to the hospital. I rushed to the hospital. And when I was back there, and, and uh, they were so busy in the ER. I mean, our heart really goes out to ER uh, medical people. They were slammed that a medical doctor wasn't able to see Mary. So the other individuals, the other medical people were, were working with her. And, and they were doing some things that was very, extremely painful for her and emotionally painful for me. I, do, I can handle hospitals, except when it's my family. That's not easy. And, and so I'm sitting there going, i I got to do something. So I called somebody I absolutely trusted, a trauma orthopedic surgeon in our church, Barnaby Dedman. I called, got Barnaby on the phone while I'm in the ER room with the people. I said, Barnaby, they're doing some things. And I uh, sent him the x-rays. He, I said, do you mind talking to them? He said, yeah, put them on the phone. So he started talking uh, to the, the nurse that was there and he said well tell me what you're doing and they told him and he said nope don't do that you stop everything you're doing right now and I want you to I want you to stabilize the wound and here's how I want you to do it do it exactly this way and then we're going to get her to Columbia and I've already scheduled her surgery I said man when I heard that my fear just calmed down and he did his thing and he did great but for Two weeks, Mary just had to stay in bed. She had to be still. Sometimes when you really have a major hurt emotionally, you have to have that be still time. But then after a couple weeks, it's time for physical therapy. You know, it's time to get up, get moving. And it's time to do the stretching. <laughs> and it's, it hurts. It's not fun. And, uh, and so... And God, but in that moving stage, God begins to take, take the wounds and begin to put them back in place and bring a healing. And, uh, and you know, but the thing about major hurts in your life, there's always going to be a scar. Now, Mary's going to have a physical scar, a great big, long physical scar. That's always going to be there as a reminder but she gets to decide whether it's going to be a reminder of the hurt or a reminder of the healing. So when you have your emotional scars, you can look at them and relive the hurt, or you can say, that scar's there because holy God brought healing into my life. The third thing. Let Jesus satisfy your needs. My cup overflows. In the Bible, an overflowing cup meant a, it was a symbol for total satisfaction. I've got everything that I need. In the Middle East, uh, which is mostly desert, when someone gave you a cup that was overflowing, it means they were wasting something. They were wasting the water or the wine, and it was a limited supply. So for them to overflow your cup meant that they had a lot. So when you need to get over your hurt, you need to look to God to meet all your needs. And why is that important? 
The major reason we get hurt is we expect other people to meet needs that only God can meet. And no person can give you absolute security in your life except God. No person can give you all the love that you really need except God. No person can completely make you happy except God. And if you expect someone else to meet those things that only God can do, then you're going to be bitterly disappointed. God never meant for you to have all your needs met by another human being. We have needs that only God can meet, our salvation need, our ultimate sin forgiveness need. You see, your friends, well, they have limited capacity. They cannot love you unconditionally 24 hours a day. They can't make you happy 24 hours a day. They cannot meet all your needs. They're not God. On the other hand, God can meet all your needs. And he never runs dry. My cup will overflow. It'll overflow with hope. It'll overflow with joy. It'll overflow with love. John 16, 24, the last verse. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant, overflowing joy. So start asking the right person. Start asking Jesus. Let's pray.